Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Jacob's parents, Shaul and Samira Ini. Uh, sponsored by Raquel and Jacob Aini and family. Uh, as well, dedicated in loving memory of Maurice's brother Joseph Ades. Sponsored by Lenore and Maurice Ades. Finally, the week of cold brew, dedicated in loving memory of Mara Sutton. Sponsored anonymously. The Pasuk tells us, Vayas Aharon et Koladevarima Shetziva Hashem Biad Moshe. That Aharon did all the things that God had commanded in the hands of Moshe. All the various uh, obligations, all the, the uh, wearing of the clothing, the halachot, the korbanot, the ketoret, everything that he did, he did according to what Moshe did. And the Sefer, the Ma'am Loez, writes, that uh, Moshe and Aaron, uh, sorry, that Aaron and his children, uh, th- they, they did not deviate one iota from what Moshe Rabbeinu had said. But the question is, why is it that you needed to tell me that? Was it important to write that Aaron Kohen was going to follow the mitzvot, was going to follow the halakha? Like, does it say that Moshe Rabbeinu also, he never missed the chance to make borene fashot? Does it tell us in the Torah that Aaron Kohen wore tzitzit? Right? He fulfilled all the mitzvot. Whatever the mitzvot were, he did them. What is this extra concept? And the Ma'am Lo'ez says something unbelievable. We know that Moshe and Aaron, they were considered to be equals. They were the same. And therefore the Torah puts Moshe and Aaron together all the time. But... All the times that God spoke to Moshe, there are, of all the times that God spoke to Moshe, there were times that Moshe, that God spoke to Moshe and Aharon. He spoke to them together. And there was even a time, where it's called, the Dibur, God's uh, decree, his command, his language, is directed at Aharon specifically. So the concept over here is, says the Ma'am is one might have thought, that when it came to a mitzvah that was shayach, that was specifically for Aaron, and over here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not say it to Aaron, he said it to Moshe, one might have thought that Aaron would have found it more difficult to do, because it wasn't said to him, this is my mitzvah, you know, you want to talk to me, talk to me. Why are you talking to Moshe? Why are you telling Moshe the mitzvot that you want me to do? So Aaron might have done it begrudgingly. Aaron might have been upset. Aaron might have not fulfilled it in the correct way possible. Says the Pasuk, to tell you that even though Aaron was upset, even, sorry, even though Aaron might have been upset, even though Aaron might have got angry that things weren't as they expected, still, he did it exactly as Moshe commanded him with complete emunah. Now my friends, one of the challenges that some people face when it comes to Judaism, they say, look, you know, all this, rabbis made it up. This is the Torah says, this bit like, who's it from? Oh, it's from the rabbis. Question I always try to explain to people, what does that mean from the rabbis? What does that mean? Just explain to you what this concept means, from the rabbis. There's Torah Shebikhtav, and there's Torah Shebaal Peh. 
The Torah that's written down in the Torah, that's the Torah that was given to us by God. And the Torah Shibal Peh, that the Jewish people got, the rabbis bought in 7-Eleven. What, what are you talking about? What does it mean from the rabbis? Every drop of Torah Shibal Peh comes from Har Sinai. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe Rabbeinu written Torah and a Torah of Misora, Torah that needed to be communicated in a different form and therefore God communicated, communicated it to him in a different form. There's so many mitzvot and I always point this out. You don't like what the rabbis have to say? You eat kosher meat? How do you eat kosher meat? Kosher meat is slaughtered. There's a special process of shechita. Find it for me in the Torah. What does it say? And you will shecht it, you will slaughter it. Vishachat oto, slaughter the animal like I commanded you. Search the Torah, you will not find how to do shechita. So kosher is also from the rabbis. What does that mean? You wear tefillin every day. Oti, God says, I need you to understand this. God says, you know what the tefillin is? Ot, it is one of the three signs that illustrates that a person is a Jew. How many mitzvot do we have that it says the word ot by? Three. Tefillin, Shabbat, and Brit Milah. <laughs> so the covenant of God, the mitzvah, so to speak, tefillin, doesn't say anywhere in the Torah what a tefillin is. Who told you what tefillin is? Maybe you tie on your head, maybe you tie on your head, I don't know, a brochure. Maybe it's a refrigerator. It doesn't say. It says totafot. It's not even a Hebrew word. <laughs> now I need you to understand this because God chooses to give those things even though, even though it's an ought. He doesn't commit it to writing. It's not in the Torah Shebekhtav. It's in Torah Shebekhtav. So this concept that people are like, oh, the second day is a Yom Tov from the rabbis. I don't like this, so that's for, who, who said that? This is a thing from the rabbis. What does it mean from the rabbis? Half of the Torah God gave on Sinai was from the rabbis. And you know something else? The Torah itself says that it's a mitzvah mideoraita to listen to the rabbis. Lotasur yimin usmol mikol asher yorucha. Don't turn right or left from all that they teach you. Why? He doesn't, he's not telling you to do it for the kavod of the rabbi. But Hashem says, I gave it to the rabbis. If you don't listen to what they say, my mitzvot you won't hear. Brit milah. Tells you how to do brit milah in the Torah. Build a sukkah. You're going to live in a sukkah. What's a sukkah? What are the laws? Anybody know? Go find it for me in the Bible. It doesn't appear. Pick a mitzvah. Pick a mitzvah. Very, so many of the mitzvot, we have no idea what the mitzvah is unless you come on to, to Torah Shabbat Peh. I'll give you an example. The Pasuk tells you, in front of a blind person, don't put a stumbling block. You know what's interesting? Harambam writes, there are opinions in the Rishonim, that if you actually put a stumbling block in front of a blind man, you have not transgressed the mitzvah in the Torah. It doesn't mean literally. It means you see a guy going to marry a girl. 
and you know the guy is majnun, he beat his first wife, the guy is a thief and a liar, he's a dangerous person, and you know that he's not better yet because you know what? He only moved from one city to the other city. No time, no therapy. You know that personally. Your information is firsthand. You know that this guy is dangerous. If you let the wedding go ahead and you do not tell her who he is, did you know that? Someone calls you up. I'm going to do business with this guy. You know the guy's a thief. You know it. You know how you know? Don't ask me. He ripped you off. You don't play nice guy and say, oh yeah, lovely guy, wonderful, Abus, nicest guy. Isur in the Torah. Who told you that that's what the Torah means? The Chachamim. Torah, Shebaal Peh. Moshe Rabbeinu stays in the heavens for 40 days and 40 nights. He learns every bit of Torah, including all of the Torah Shebaal all the Torah Shebaal Peh. Says the Gemara, I feel even an idea that we would be put forward by Talmid Vatik, by a, a student in the end of time. If I come up with a Chidush over here, I'm assuming you know, that at least one of the ones that I came up with in all the years is true. If it's true, if it's right, if it's correct, right? In Kasher Melech, Moshe Rabbeinu was told that Chidush. You understand? Aharon gets commanded a mitzvah that should have come to him. But it goes through Moshe. Moshe tells him this is the halakha. Aharon is a navi. Aharon is a navi. What could Aharon say to Moshe? Oh, that's what Hashem means? Why didn't he tell me? My mitzvah. Why didn't he tell me? Says Ma'am Loez, even on this, he did all the things. When Moshe Rabbeinu told him, he looked at what Moshe Rabbeinu had said and realized and practiced it. He looked at the words of his rabbi like it was the word of God himself. Now I'm not saying if the rabbi tells you, do this, go there. I'm not telling you that the rabbi is a prophet. If I tell you, you know, go get next season tickets, don't mean they're going to win. It means that I know that you need that amount of Yisurin in your life for Kapara. That's what it means. Shema <laughs> Israel. I say, I used to say, um, uh, the, the word in Hebrew, the, word, the root of the word nix is uh, naki, right? Vin nake. It's the end of the, when you forget all the suffering a person goes through. Hashem forgives you, vin nake. So you burn a nix fan. There's a lot of kapara that a person gets from the suffering that we witness. You could put up 700 points and we still lose by 30. Okay. <clears throat> so my friends, I want to explain an idea that is based on this concept of looking at the words of the Chachamim as if they are the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Fascinating story. I hope that Rabbi Mizrahi didn't say it in the first one yet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ah. There was a person who lived in Russia. A terrible person who was a Moser. <laughs> It would have been better if you just said it before I said any details. <laughs> I just would have been nervous about what I said. There's a terrible person who lived in Russia. He was a Moser. He was a person who, um, who would snitch all the time on the Jewish community. He would go to the government. He would make up things about them in order to stay in favor, in order to be a feared person. Unfortunately, you had those types of people. 
You know, today, sometimes you have, like, I, you know, a small-time Moser. What's a small-time Moser? Guy gets in trouble with the government. They tell him, you know, you're going to do less time if you snitch on somebody, you know, and you give us a bigger fish than you. The guy tells the government about this guy, or sometimes he makes up information, or sometimes they entrap people. That's a smallish time Moser. Still a Moser, 100%. No excuse, because you're going to go to jail. You get let someone else sit in jail. Still a Moser. But I call that a small-time Moser. Because they were big-time Moserim. They would go to the government for free. Just for the power. Just for the money. Just for the influence. Okay? They develop a relationship with someone in the government, with the chief of police, with the mayor, with the pirates, with the government, you know, with the government officials at the time. They'd feed them information, and then people would sit in jail, people would get killed. You know, and in fact... When we had this problem the first time, the Chachamim, we added a Biracha to the Shmona Esre, to the Amidah. Which Biracha do we add? Laminim v'lamashinim. In some Sidurim, you have the Nusach, Laminim v'lamashinim v'lamosrim. Okay? But the word Malshinim and the word Mosrim, it's the same thing. People would tell tales, they would go and snitch on people to the government. We, we just spoke on Shabbat about one of the most high-profile Muslim in the history of the Jewish people. In the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa. He got very upset. He was humiliated. He went to the Roman emperor and he told him, Mardu Becha Yehudai. The Jews have rebelled against you. Did the Jews rebel? No. That's a Moser. That's a Malshin. So they instituted this Berachan Amidah that they should be cut off, they should be wiped out, they should be... etc. Anyway, so this guy, Moser, he caused the Jewish people in the city in Russia all sorts of problems. It's time, you know, every person, no matter how powerful, eventually they shuffle off this mortal coil. The guy calls the Hevra Kadisha to a meeting in his house. This fellow is a dangerous man. So everybody listens. But they come into his house and they see that the dangerous man is now lying in his bed. He's weak. He's old. And he tells him, listen, I know you all hate me. I know that during this time on earth, I was a rasha. But please, he says, do me a favor. There's so much I have to get kapara for before I go to Shamayim. I know I did wrong. I feel terrible now. I'm so sick and I'm so old and I'm going to die soon. There's nothing, no time almost left for me to change it. Please promise me that you will bury me in the most humiliating way possible so that my kibura will be a kafara. Everybody's very moved. They say, sure, what do you think? What kind of thing do you think we should do? What do you have in mind? We're only too happy to oblige. The guy says, if you could bury me instead of lying down, Bury me standing up in the ground. They're moved by his request to humiliate him for kapara. The guy obviously has a lot of kapara that he needs in his life. They agree. Not only that, they sign a contract that they're going to do it. Today, word gets to the rabbi of the town, who at the time was a young or younger Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein calls the Chevra Kadisha in. He says, who died and made you king? You can't change the halachot. There's a way you bury someone. There's a way you bury someone. You're not allowed to make up things. 
תספת הגיא, תשובה, כפרה, סליחה, מחילה. מושבה ועומד. This is the halakha, you can't change the halakha for nobody. You bury him exactly, I'm sorry, you, you promised him, promise him something that you weren't allowed to promise him. They bury him as normal. They feel bad. They didn't give the guy his last will and testament. His last wish on earth. Anyway, everyone buries the guy. I'm sure it was a very small funeral. It was COVID style without being COVID. It was kavod less. Everyone goes home from the Hebra Kadisha, and a short while after the burial is over, there's a knocking at the door of the office of the Hebra Kadisha. They open the door, and who's there? The Russian police. They say, take us to the cemetery right now. They don't know what's going on. They take him to the cemetery. They say, dig up the Moser guy. They say, we're not allowed to. The halakha says you can't disrespect the body. The guy pulls out his gun. He says, dig up the guy. They dig, they dig, they dig, until finally the kever is open. They show the guy the, the aron, the, the, the coffin in the ground. They look at each other, the police, puts his gun back in his holster. He leaves. They said, what happened? They said, asked him, what's going on? The Moser had sent a message to the Russian police. The people of this town They hate the government, they hate the law. Now, even in my death, they're going to try and take revenge against me for working together with you, the police. And you know what the proof will be? That they're going to bury me differently to all other Jews. They're going to be burying me in the ground, standing up as a sign of disrespect. And the disrespect to me is disrespect to you. Mardu Becha Yehudai. The Jews have rebelled against you. It would have meant death, suffering, destruction, exile for the whole community. But the Jews listened to the rabbi. When a person has emunat chachamim, when they treat the word of the chachamim the right way, then they avoid so much. You know... <clears throat> There's a beautiful example. There's a beautiful example of this. That I think that happens all the time in the community. You know, you find a lot of times people come to a rabbi and they ask the rabbi a question that they have no business asking the rabbi. So the rabbi will concur. They ask the rabbi, which surgery should I get? I don't know. You're asking me for my doctor. Huh? What do you say? Say me, it doesn't depend on the body part. I have no opinion regardless. Oh, is it your foot? Yeah, I'm the expert in that. That, that I know. If the guy asked me about IBS, maybe I'll know something. <laughs> don't bother. Try that. <laughs> Uh, what are the, why are they coming? Why are they coming to you as a rabbi? How come? There's an element of emunat chachamim that people have. <laughs> There's an element that people have all the time. Right? 
When they come to the rabbi, they're not sure what to do. They come to the rabbi, the pasuk says, Ki davar. When something will be too far from you. Ben dam le dam, ben din le din, ben nega le nega. You will stand up and go. If the, you don't know the difference, you're not sure how to differentiate. Dam le dam, din le din, nega le nega. Sometimes a person, they come to the rabbi and they're asking the question of the rabbi, not nega le nega, not a, a nega tzarat. They're asking, I have this problem. What should I do? Which doctor should I use? And what they're asking sometimes, and I think they don't even know what they're asking, they want guidance from a rabbi. And I'm not talking about if you go to a baba. You know, Baba Sali, Baba Baruch, those are Sadiqim. But some of the Babas today, they're more like Baba Kama. It's the laws of damages. They lead you astray, they tell you that they know what they're talking about. What does it mean? Meanwhile, you have great Sadiqim that can see things, that they understand things. So people inborn is an Emunat Chachamim. They know that the rabbis have something. So they come to you. And sometimes, my friends, the advice that they give you, you think the guy is giving you, the rabbi is giving you advice as a prophet? He's not giving you advice as a prophet. He's giving you advice as a chacham. I'll give you an example of a rabbi giving advice of, of emunat chachamim that comes from the chacham's wisdom in the Torah. There was a man who came once to the Saba Mikelm, the altar from Kelm. And he told him, I have an unbelievable opportunity. You know, in many of the lands in Europe, the Jews were forbidden from owning any land. Did you know that? They were not allowed to own land. Right? They were not allowed to go to universities. Why? Because they wanted to control which jobs the Jews could have. They didn't want them to become powerful. The irony of that is, because the Jews couldn't own land, they couldn't grow farms, they couldn't have crops, they couldn't buy real estate, they couldn't, they couldn't be a doctor, they couldn't be a lawyer. I think that's why we became doctors and lawyers and accountants in America. They're like, oh, finally we can do this. <laughs> right? So what, what were they able to do? They were able to deal in money. We became money lenders, not because we wanted to, but because we had to. Not only that, in religious Christian lands, Christians were not allowed to lend each other money with interest. You know how Jews are not allowed to lend money to other Jews with interest? Christians were not allowed to lend Christians money with interest. So if they needed to borrow money to, to have build a house, a business, what did they do? They gave money lending to the Jews because that would enable the Christians to borrow money. And then they turned that into an anti-Semitic trope. See, the Jewish people are trying to rip you off. Parasites, you understand? You made us this. You took every other option away. Anyway, there's a fellow who comes to the Altam Kelm, he says he has a tremendous opportunity in his hands. What's his opportunity? His opportunity is, <clears throat> he has a chance to buy a tremendous piece of real estate. He could get the money together, he could buy the real estate, and the rabbi said to him, how are you gonna buy it? He says, I have a non-Jewish friend. The guy who's selling the land is okay with me paying him, and putting the land, the deed, in the name of in the name of my friend, the Poritz. The, what's it called? The, uh, the, local, the local governor, non-Jewish guy. He says, I'm best friends with this guy. I trust him completely. He said, I kept, I'm coming to the rabbi. I just want to know, what do you think? It's my life savings. I'm going to borrow a tremendous amount of money. But the opportunity is unbelievable. It's enormous. The, the altar from Kelm tells him, the answer is no. How do I know? The parashat Chayesara. In parashat Chayesara, the pasuk says 
that when Abraham sent Eliezer on this tremendous job, Eliezer, he didn't trust Eliezer. How do we know he didn't trust Eliezer? Because Eliezer, he tells him, swear to me. Place your hand beneath my thigh. He made him swear on his brit milah that he would not marry to Yitzchak, a girl from the Benot Kenan. Said the altar from Kelm to this man, Avraham has Ne'eman Beto, his most trusted person, Damesek Eliezer, who teaches his Torah to the masses. Is there any more trustworthy servant than Eliezer? And still, Abraham would have done the job himself if he could, he couldn't. So what did he do? He made him swear. You see, when it comes to something, which is uh, Ikar, how the words are, that Ikar Hayav, most of his life of the person is Talui Bo, where the main element, your, a huge portion of your life is wrapped up in that. And Botchim Ba'aher, you don't trust someone. Afilu lo be'adam ne'eman ke'eliezer. Even if the person is not trustworthy like Eliezer. The man hears the rabbi, goes back, sleeps on it, decides, you know what? The rabbi doesn't know the parrots like I do. He's completely trustworthy. That'll never happen. He buys the land, puts it in the name of the parrots, and what happens? Saya Nara. See you later. Allah Ma'ak. Gone. His entire life savings and the life savings of many of the people that also bought in. He bet against the Chachamim, and a bet against the Chachamim always loses. The house always wins. Which house? The house always wins. My friends, this Emunat Chachamim is not the Emunah of a Baba. It's not a, a, a Baba, whatever, Baba Shmendrik that tells you I, I checked the gematria of the doctor's name. It's a, that's, not, that's not this. He's telling him. This is a pasuk in the Torah. He's using his knowledge of the Torah, of the Mishnah, of the Gemara, of the Halakha to tell you what's the appropriate thing to do. And in such a case, it turns out for the best. But my friends, there's also an emunat chachamim when it comes to the great chachamim of our, of our lives, of our generations, where a person can see that the person is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on a higher plane. Not a rabbi like me, a much bigger rabbi than myself. And when a rabbi like that tells you something, even if you don't know where he got it from, you listen to what the rabbi said, Ka'asher siva amunayet Moshe. In our community, Baruch Hashem, we have a tremendous kavod for the Chachamim. It's not like that in every community. But it's very beautiful when you see it. There was a Hasid who came to his rabbi and after many years of not having children, he came to the rabbi, he said, Rabbi, please give me a beracha. And the rabbi gives him a beracha. And he's praying and he's crying, the rabbi. And finally he tells him, you're going to have a son? Bezat Hashem this time. His wife gets pregnant. Ishtabach shemo. Goes back to the rabbi, he says, Rabbi, Baruch Hashem, my wife is pregnant. She's going to be due very soon. He says, Mabruk, congratulations uh, on, on a son. Tremendous rabbi. Rabbi with Ruach HaKodesh. One of the great Hasidic masters of old. The guy, he hears that. He goes to the passport agency. You know, it takes a long time for a Jewish person to get a passport. And a Jew always needs a passport. No matter how safe you feel you are, you need to be ready to travel. Any Jew that thinks that they're safe 
and they're never going to leave where they are is just not a student of history, you have not been paying attention. So he goes to the passport office and he tells him, I need a passport for my son. The kid's not been born yet. But that's how long it takes for a Jewish expedited passport in, uh, in European lands. They give him a passport. What's the name in the passport? Isaac. He already knows who he's going to name the baby after, his grandfather. Has the passport? Isaac. His wife says, we need to go to the hospital. Go to the hospital. It's a girl. <laughs> and his next kid is a girl. And his next kid is a girl. Baruch Hashem, he's so happy Hashem is sending him these blessings. His fourth child is a boy. Yitzhak Isaac. <laughs> My friends, this Hasid, this person who had emunat chachamim, he had members in his family that they always bought, bugged him. At every chance they got. You're so close to this holy rabbi of yours. He told you you're going to have a boy. You have this passport for your son. <laughs> what a joke. What a waste of time to trust in the rabbi. My friends, and the day came and the local government put out a conscription order for all the boys in town. And in Russia, when the Tsar's army asked your child to join the army, they didn't take you for three years or five years. They would take these children for 25 years. They'd return after 25 years in the Tsar's army, these children, the Cantonists. They would come back with not a shred of Judaism. They would beat the Judaism out of them in the army. All of those kids came back, no Judaism whatsoever. It broke so many families, it broke so many people's hearts. So the conscription order came and the whole city is up in arms, including the family of this man who trusted in his rabbi. And the man comes home that day from the conscription office and he's smiling from ear to ear and they said, what are you smiling about? He says, they took a look at the passport for my son, Isaac, who's supposed to be an older age. And he looked very short for his supposed age because it was predated by four children. And they said, this kid's weak. He's got some sort of developmental issues. We don't want him in the Tsar's army. Patur! Vayas Aharon and Aharon did. Like everything God commanded Moshe. When a person has emunat chachamim, the emunah of the sadikim, and they treat it like the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the end, ultimately, they wind up <coughs> seeing those words come to fruition. May Hashem bless us to find rabbis that are worth following. And I don't say, I don't mean following when you click it on social media. <laughs> following means to have a rabbi whose advice you listen to, even when it's very difficult. You're in a situation, a guy owes me money, what should I do? The rabbi tells you, according to the halakha, he's not obligated, and you swallow it. That's following a rabbi. It's hard. Someone comes to you and they tell you, Rabbi, I want to do this, I want to do that, what can I do? This is Asur. You don't go shopping for a second opinion. <laughs> I always love quoting 
You know, the Pirkei Avot. The Pasuk says, Make for yourself a rabbi and acquire for yourself a friend. I feel like if I went to people's homes, I would go to some people I know, I go to their homes with a pen. Take the Pirkei Avot off the shelf of their house and pencil in three letters. Nun, Yud, Mem. Nim. Where would I add it to? The end of the Mishnah. I would change it to Because the rabbi you went to, it didn't give you the answer you want. You went to another rabbi. And you went to another rabbi. You're shopping around for a, for a posek or a psak that you like. The Mishnah don't say Asel Lecharabanim. Say Asel Lecharav. My friends. When you come to a rabbi, don't you want the rabbi to tell you what the Torah says? Don't you want the rabbi to tell you what Hashem communicated through the halakha? Or do you want the rabbi to tell you what you want? If you want the rabbi to tell you what you want, don't ask the rabbi, just do what you want. Hashem should help each and every one of us find the emunah to be cognizant and to be faithful to the words of the Chachamim, to be faithful, faithful to the words of the Torah. And Be'ezrat Hashem, Hashem should bless us always to be zochet to see, like the people in the story of the Kivurah, like the man, uh, and the man who had the passport for his son, the, the words of the Chachamim coming back to help them. And unfortunately, not like the man in the story who bought the piece of property, who had to learn the hard way. No rabbi wants to see anyone learn a lesson the hard way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want to see, have us learn the lesson from punishment. May Hashem bless us always. Vayas Aharon Ka'ashet Tziva Amunai Biyad Moshe Baruch Adonai Le'olam